Hi everyone, this is Jim Cahill with another Emerson Automation Experts podcast. Globally, we are seeing an increasing emphasis on sustainability and decarbonization as countries, corporations, and communities further define and implement their roadmaps to achieve net zero carbon neutrality and operate in a more sustainable way. Today, we'll explore the role of wind energy with Andy Wang and Shubi Gold. Welcome, Andy and Shubi. Thank you, Jim. All right. Well, let's get into it a little bit. Andy, let's start with you. Can you give us a little bit of your background and path into your current role with us here at Emerson? Okay. Uh, Jim, I've been with Emerson for 25 years, uh, working in various countries, the U.S., Asia-Pacific countries, and actually right now I'm at my six countries with Emerson. Throughout my 25 years career, I've always been in the control automation uh, industry, oil and gas, power. Uh, for the last 10 years, I've been with Power and Water Solutions outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we recently acquired a Danish renewable automation company out of uh, Aarhus, Denmark. So I actually moved to Aarhus four months ago. I'm now VP of Renewables for Pond Water Solutions. Wow, I didn't even realize that uh, you had moved over there. So that's breaking news for me. That's, that's great. Uh, Shubi, can you give us a little bit of your background and path to your role here at Emerson? Yes, Jim. Well, I completed my bachelor degree in India in year 2005, having 16 years of experience in power plant and process automation industry. I joined Emerson in 2014 at Global Engineering Center Power and Water Solutions at India. Since then, I have been working in product marketing and business development role. Uh, recently, I'm also leading an additional role for renewable power generation, which is a segment leader role for Asia Pacific. So I've been uh, very closely observing the power industry being transformed since last few years. And I must say, this is a peak time when we can see most of these changes happening. How climate change and carbon neutrality, which were just topics of conversation even five years ago, are now becoming an urgency for all of us. Well, that's great. Thank you for that background. Well, Shubi, I'm going to pick on you a little bit in the first part of this podcast to give us what's going on in the trends and developments in the Asia-Pacific region. So let's start with why is wind energy important for the sustainability-driven transformation of the energy sector? Yes, Jim. Uh, so as you know, wind power is one of a popular sustainable uh, renewable energy source. Just to give a little background about wind energy. So wind energy is the energy generated using wind turbines to convert uh, kinetic energy of the wind to mechanical energy, which is then converted into electricity. You will agree that at this moment, we are consuming a lot of natural resources that isn't sustainable and this is leading to environmental issues such as greenhouse emissions, pollution and climate change. And all of these is actually causing harm to the environment, wildlife and humans. But the good news is that people have started realizing that we need to become more sustainable to protect the earth for future generations. Also, 
we can see countries governments businesses corporations around the world who have also begun to realize the same need for developing renewable resources and yes there's a clear understanding on the role of wind energy in the whole decarbonization movement i must say within renewable energy wind has a great role to play it is considered one of the most attractive energy source when it comes to alleviating climate changes and the need to reduce carbon dioxide emissions also with growing hybrid renewable power plants that combines wind energy with solar combined with efficient energy storage systems it can improve the plant efficiencies as well as the plant load factors also jim uh, wind energy has been a critical role to play in the economical growth of green hydrogen and green ammonia as we are hearing a lot of buzzword around the role of hydrogen as a future fuel so yes uh, wind is definitely going to enable the transition to clean energy and green future and is definitely poised at the cusp of unlimited opportunities in times to come Well that's an interesting point about hydrogen and ammonia in the context of energy storage. So what are the latest trends and new patterns in the Asia Pacific wind energy market that's influencing the sustainability driven transformation of the energy sector? Yes, that's an interesting question, Jim. You know, at present Asia accounts for almost half of the global energy demand. as per the recent data from bp statistical review of world energy 2021 with increasing demand asia has highest emissions and it is overtaking historical emitters like north america and europe in fact a host of countries in asia like china korea india have recently announced major commitments to significantly cut their carbon emissions promising to reach net zero in the coming years and if we see Wind is shaping a forward path playing a vital role in the mission at Asia. Let me share some of the data around the wind energy based on market surveys conducted in year 2021-22. The global wind installed capacity reached 837 gigawatts with an annual growth rate of 12%. Out of that 93 gigawatt were the new wind installations added in year 2021 itself. and asia contributed to 59% from that that means 55 gigawatts of wind power was produced by asia itself and if you look into the top regions in the wind power market in asia it's china vietnam australia and india in order of new wind installations and really the center of gravity is china because they are largest producers in wind with highest growth rate Well that's nice to know about the wind energy growth in the region. Yes Jim. In Asia Pacific the intention and purpose has reached a handshake I must say and the wind transformation is inevitable. Even the global wind energy market intelligence expects you know around 110 gigawatts of new wind installations each year and out of that 70 gigawatt is projected to be added annually in Asia itself until 2026. So Shubhi, can you share which are the enablers or growth contributors necessary to support the scale up of wind in the Asia Pacific region? 
Okay, so let me first cover the enablers or as you rightly said, growth in contributors to support scale up of wind energy in Asia. Firstly, wind energy avoids significant carbon dioxide emissions annually and is helping to displace the generation from fossil fuel power plants, as we all know. Secondly, wind energy consumes less or essentially no water during electricity generation. So implementing wind energy is a means to address the global challenge of water resource management. Thirdly, wind energy has shown better op opportunities for hybridization with solar integrating energy storage systems. That is another big enabler for wind power generation. And fourthly, the offshore wind power plants, which are set to expand. The next enabler for wind energy, I must say, is the cost competitiveness. Although costs vary strongly from country to country, uh, and this is true for majority of countries, as per the Energy Information Administration report and the findings. And lastly, the increased value proposition by automation players who are providing the best technology solutions. And I'm very excited to mention here that Emerson has acquired Metatechnic in December 2021. Metatechnic is headquartered in Denmark and is a leader in control automation solutions for wind turbines and wind farm operations. They have expertise in control design for over 400 wind turbine models and have an install base of more than 60,000 systems worldwide. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get in and I'm going to hit Andy up with some questions about the Metatechnic. But before I do, Shubi, India is another country that is quite active on the wind energy front. What policies have they established? Sure, Jim. As said earlier, climate action is gaining momentum worldwide. And I must say, India is at the forefront of this transition and strongly committed to wind energy growth. India is fourth largest wind power market with cumulative wind install capacity of 40 gigawatts as of 2021 growing at a compound annual growth rate of 5.5% between 2017 and 2021. To share a few market drivers, the government of India's COP26 commitments, India pledged for net zero by 2070, shall meet 50% of energy requirements from renewable energy, deploy 500 gigawatts of renewable energy capacities by 2030, and also the government is promoting wind power projects by providing fiscal and promotional incentives. Also, there are other initiatives like Aat Nirbhar Bharat, Make in India and performance linked incentive schemes that makes India a strong contender for wind energy market in Asia. Okay, Andy, now let me turn to you. Could you tell us a bit about Emerson's approach to renewable energy and especially the wind market? Well, as you can see from all the latest uh, news releases by Emerson, uh, Emerson take renewable energy very seriously. Uh, we recently acquired Metatechnic, as Shubi mentioned earlier. Emerson also acquired a hydro control company called American Governor in 2020. And I moved here just to grow this business. Okay, so the, there are several approaches to renewable controls uh, or automation. Typically, one immediate thought will be oh, how to control a nil or uh, a retrofit plan. But while we talk to our customers, I mean, the owners or operators, the most common 
request or pain that they have is a common renewable SCADA that can be used across all renewables and all models of turbines. In the industry, they call this, a, they need a single pane of glass for multiple plants, multiple brands, and multiple different fields of plants, solar, battery, or renewables. There are several SCADA companies out there, but they're often focused on one type of uh, renewable and don't have good interface to the assets. And one other thing is most of those companies, they don't have a good control solution to complete their SCADA uh, solutions. Well, that makes sense that more often than not, there's a mix of energy sources that would benefit, I would think, from a common SCADA and control systems. So, Andy, can you share with us more about Emerson's wind turbine solutions and the value this acquisition brings to wind consumers? Okay, Jim, uh, Mita has a 50-year history in wind, and they have uh, nearly everything for wind, from turbine control, pitch control, SCADA, conditioning, monitoring, and most importantly, engineering skills of the industry and the application. They can customize solution to improve AEP uh, or extend uh, hardware life. This makes them pretty unique in comparison to our other competitors. Uh, we expect to be able to combine the expertise, the technology with, the, with Emerson's global presence in terms of service, uh, sales coverage, to bring them much further than they ever uh, dreamed possible. So this is pretty, the potential is pretty exciting. And let me add that just like the fossil customers, renewable customer and, uh, and owners, they value aftermarket support. We've been learning most of our customers are not getting much support from their OEMs. Amazon is known in the industry for customer satisfaction. So uh, I think this will be a great differentiator for Emerson. Yeah, it certainly sounds like that. So how does Emerson's WinSCADA solutions help to increase operational visibility, flexibility, performance with OEM independent asset management solutions? Well, a typical WIN OEM only permits the owner to have access to a limited subset of data, usually through an OPC output from their SCADA server. Uh, this might be 30, 35 uh, data points, okay? Where the unit might actually have 1,000 to, to 2,000 data points uh, or parameters that the OEM actually can see and use for themselves. But yet they don't want the owner to, to see that for selfish reasons. And it's like the difference between engine light got turned on in your car dashboard, okay? Telling you there's a problem, but not telling you exactly what the fault is and what are the underlying issues that created the event. This access to data that Meta solution provides will enable the owner to truly own their data and make use of it. Our solution is called MyScout. MyScout can directly interface with 750 different wind turbine models using native proprietary protocols. Okay, with that, owners can, they're not only able to operate and monitor the unit, but can have access to the data to perform more diagnostics, 
diagnosis or understand the failure mode uh, in more detail. And furthermore, MyScout has tools that allows owner to analyze those data. So let's say an owner with LTSA, with a uh, OEM, they can install MyScout in parallel with the OEM SCADA so that they can provide more data and do performance analysis without impacting their relationship with the OEMs. Well, I think that dashboard light analogy was really good that it just tells you there's a problem, but not what it is. And it sounds like by being able to have access to so much more data opens up things, predictive maintenance and that kind of thing to really make it a much more robust and reliable solution. So retrofits offer a large opportunity for end-to-end monitoring and control providers, you know, things controller, SCADA, CMS, performance monitoring, protocols, communications, support, trading reports, etc. Can you share more insights on Emerson's wind solutions aimed at streamlining retrofit projects and optimizing repowering costs that will hold a notable market advantage? Yeah, um, Meta has done a tremendous job of simplifying control replacements. From a logic point of view, they have uh, libraries of proven operating logic to draw from, and can, they can simply customize parameters when installing those controls. From a hardware perspective, they created kits that can simply quickly replace the legacy system in typically in less than a day. They often uh, will install the first unit and because all the units are, t- are the same. So the subsequent unit can be done by either by the customer themselves or third-party installation companies. And from order, uh, placing a PO with us to install typically is three months. For unit, for models they have not done before, they also have the engineering talent to develop a retrofit solution in several months. So uh, we're actually doing today a retrofit solution for GESLE units. This is the largest fleet in North America. Okay, The prototype was installed earlier this year, like January, and in May, well, actually June, this month, we're going to install the remaining units. Okay, so how do you see this as a growth opportunity, and are we able to support our customers to incorporate wind and solar hybrid projects combined with energy storage in the new hybrid renewable energy mix? For example, wind and solar hybrid with green hydrogen? Well, consider that there are a lot of similarities between solar PV and wind. The real value to our customer is not always at the site level, but at the remote operations center where the data is being analyzed to make operating decisions. A unit out of service or fail inverter typically typically don't draw a, a lot of fast reaction from the owner as a boiler feed pump failure would in the, the thermal world because of in renewables is by nature is very distributed. And, and in thermal, it's very high concentration of megawatts. So one failure will cause you to lose the entire plant. Another way to look at it is renewable company will try and keep their truck rolls down, okay? Most sites are remote, 
uh, and unmanned. So driving 300 miles to a site to just to repair a one megawatt inverter is probably not worth it. So the, our customers would typically accumulate all the repair in one trip. And then the, the service technician would need to know what to put in put onto his truck. That means parts, different parts of different parts of the plan to fix all the problems in one go. Yeah, that makes sense that it's so highly distributed with the number out there that you would optimize based when you have critical amount of maintenance work that uh, you would have to do. So what's different about renewable SCADA versus just an HMI? Uh, well, HMI are originally developed around the process world. Uh, in the process world, we see operators are sitting in front of their HMI 24-7, actively making changes, turning on and off pumps, valves, recovering from upsets, controlling flow, pressure, temperature, all of that. But the operators in the, in the process world, they are not necessarily looking at KPIs or making cost-based decisions. Whereas in renewables, there are not a lot of operation going on, as I said earlier, but there is, but it's a lot of monitoring and occasionally troubleshooting issues. You will often see nobody in the control room or there's no control room at site at all. But cost-based decision and KPIs are a huge component of what SCADA and the industry is increasingly calling it APM, Asset Performance Management Software, that will provide benefit to the owner and operators. The data from the field combined with the market information, weather information and all other uh, information will empower the uh, owner to make decision how best to use their assets. For example, on a low dollar per megawatt day, the a wind operator may choose not to dispatch their units in order not to uh, induce wear and tear to the, to the equipment. Yeah, that's an interesting contrast between these continuous processes and versus, you know, this decentralized approach and, you know, just making your decisions based on weather conditions and, and all the other things and current demand. That's, uh, I guess, a really interesting distinction between the two of renewable SCADA and HMI. So thanks for that. Well, let's wrap our podcast up by asking where can our listeners go to learn more about our wind energy solutions? So Jim, actually, you can actually go to Amazon.com and Renewable Power, and you will actually see a, a host of links to uh, our renewable solutions, including uh, the Meta Technique uh, website from there. Okay, that's great. Well, I hope our listeners have learned as much as I did in this podcast and also make sure you check out our other podcasts in our Asia-Pacific Sustainability and Decarbonization podcast series. Also, we have a link to the Asia-Pacific Sustainability and Decarbonization Experts in your country in the Asia-Pacific region. So bye for now, everyone. <laughs>